Welcome to Black Men Speak, a podcast that features ordinary black men in all walks of life doing extraordinary things. Hey everybody, this is Keith Dent. Today on the show, we're going to talk about a variety of topics. With two of my favorite podcast hosts, the Hood Kings, Tim Davis and Antoine Wichman. We will discuss the Derek Chauvin verdict and how they feel about being stopped by the police. I would, I would like to see that if you take someone's life, depending on how old they are, that should at least be the minimum of what you get type thing. Um, if I can, I would make a change, but it is a very scary, especially when them lights come on and you know, do you see that, that second car come up? Cause that ain't, that's not, that's never a good sign. How it feels to own a licensed firearm. So yeah, I did purchase um, my first firearm. And honestly, when I went to go do it, I was nervous. I was very nervous. Um, not because I had a criminal record, not because I'm a bad guy, not because I had any violent intent on getting one. I just was nervous because I thought about, uh, what's his name? Philo Castillo, I'm saying Oh, Castillo, right. yeah, Philando Castillo, yeah. yeah. You know, he was he was a legal uh, carry owner, which I am as well. Um, so a lot of the thoughts that went through my head was, if I get this, what type of energy am I gonna bring to my life? Checking up on your health. But like, just like a regular checkup or like a physical or something like that, you know, I, I haven't done it in a while. And yeah, should brothers get facials? I think, you know, it's more of a perception thing. I think, you know, as men think, you know, once we, once you, once you do that, you're looked at as soft. You're not, you're not the rock that you should be. But I never got a facial with cucumbers on my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's on that note, let's start the show. Tim, AKA seven and Antoine, AKA Odie or Udi. I hope I said it right. I think it's Odie. And, uh, I gotta bring him up. So. It's Odie. It's Udi or Odie? Udi. I, I said it right the first time. Udi. Udi. Well, you know what's up, what's up, fellas? What's going on? It's been a, it's been a while since we have seen you guys. So, um, how's everything? How's how's the podcast going? Podcast going good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Podcast is going pretty good. You know, we we took a little break, but you like you said, you know, we we getting back on. We getting everything together. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to having everybody come check us out. Right, right. And so, um, yeah. What was our What was our word of the day? What was the word of the... depleted? Depleted. depleted. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you guys will be repleted, not depleted tonight. So um, wow. we got a, we got some we got some interesting topics that have happened over the course of the week uh, that I figure would be perfect for you guys you guys to to, to talk about. I guess a 20 year difference I think we have and mm-hmm. we'll take a different perspective on things. And uh, so, yeah, let's talk about it. So the first thing thought, you know, what I saw in USA Today um, was a um, story about Derek Chauvin. As you know, he was sentenced this week. He was sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison and in Minneapolis. It, they they uh, kind of praise the fact that in the criminal justice system had shown it to act swiftly and severely when faced with a police officer's slow motion murder of a black man that was recorded by bystanders and witnessed by millions. So then question I think we wanna talk about is whether an example made of Chauvin will change anything for the many black men and people of color who are disproportionately killed by police, often in an instant with inconclusive video or no witnesses. So um, first thing, what did you guys think of the sentencing? Was it fair or what do you, what do you guys think? 
I'm going to let you shoot first, Tim. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that he was found guilty. As far as it being fair, I guess that would be in the eyes of, I guess, the family more so than me because that's what they um, had to go through. Um, as far as, for me, I think him just, the fact that he was found guilty at 20 years is enough. It's hard to say that it is or it isn't. I mean, I would I would like to see that if you take someone's life, depending on how old they are, that should at least be the minimum of what you get type thing. Um, if I can, if I would make a change, but I think it was fair enough in a sense that we at least got some justice as the black community with the, the incident that happened. Yeah, go ahead, Anton. I, I was just gonna jump in and say, um, I was just going off of what you said. Um, they, the Minneapolis, you know, the justice system, they want credit, but they want credit for doing what was obviously right. You know what I mean? It's just like they should have moved swiftly. They should have convicted him. You know what I mean? So it's just like I'm not giving you credit for that. It is a good first step. I think this is now a deterrent, you know, for other police officers. You know what I mean? But it also matters, still matters where, because the United States is not so united. You know what I mean? Like, it might convict one man, you might convict the cop in Minneapolis, but you go to Georgia or Texas and somewhere in the South where that cop may get a slap on the wrist. And oddly enough, this was first time that uh, in Minnesota, there was actually a guilt, guilty verdict against a white police officer for killing a black man. Yeah, it's sad. That's the first time. <laughs> first the time. first time ever. It's sad. But it that ain't the first time ever that a policeman has killed a black man in Minneapolis. Right. You get what I'm saying? So it's just like, I'm supposed to be excited for this one victory. Like, I'm down a lot. Yeah, it's... It, but, but the mere fact that um, this is the first time, it was easy to see why the community was so in an uproar with the fact that this was just so uh, so blatant the killing and that there was so much disregard for his life. And uh, hopefully this will be a deterrent. I just wonder, I mean, there was several months later where a black man was killed in the same state. So we'll see uh, how that works out. But have you guys ever had a run-in with a police where you felt like you might be threatened if, if even if it was just a traffic stop or anything like that? Um, me, me personally, I've been, I, of course, you know, I've been stopped by the police. I don't think I've been stopped by the police where it got to the point where I was scared for my life because, you know, usually most of the police that approach me, you know, are of the same, you know what I mean? Ethnicity, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So they understand, you know what I mean? I can speak to them, you know, I, there's a comfort level where you might not have that comfort level in another neighborhood. Okay. Do you think that makes a difference? Community police, and I believe so. I believe yeah, your, yeah. you know, your ethnicity needs to be, you know, have to have some type of background or some knowledge of what's going on with your culture, you know, so that they understand. Yeah, Tim, what do you think? For me, it's actually been the opposite, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, really? Yeah, honestly, um, I've had, I've had run-ins with the police, um, traffic stops, and it was like the white people, the white cops, they were like more friendly than the black cops. Um, I remember. One incident when I had just joined the military, I was like, I had joined when I was 17, so I was 18 years old. And I was in East Orange, and me and my friend was, we was outside, we was on, I want to say Central Avenue, and we were throwing snowballs by, by the right aid. So the cop, I guess, I didn't know he was a cop, though, a security guard comes out, y'all can't be throwing snowballs. And I'm like, we're just throwing snowballs at each other. So 
that escalated. They put their hands on me, me as an 18 year old, if you know how it was in high school, <laughs> you, can, you can just imagine how I reacted. And I actually got into a physical altercation with them and a whole bunch of cops came out of nowhere and I actually got hands put on by them. Um, I did go to court and the judge did throw it out. I think it was because my parents were like, I guess they didn't know that my uncle was a cop in East Orange. He's a retired detective. So it, it, it was, that was my, my hello to police. And it's different for me. So that's why I'm like, I hear a lot of stories. I see a lot of stuff, but a lot of, a lot of times when I encounter with the, the white officers, I don't really, really get on too much stuff from them. And I think a lot of it is probably because I was in the military, um, to be honest. Mm. But other than that. Nope. I hit him with the yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. All mm-hmm. that. All that. I'm hitting him with all that. You ain't about to stereotype me from the way I'm talking. Yeah, exactly. And I had another incident where I had just purchased a car. I ain't have no license, no license plate on the car. So I had a, uh, I had somebody's license plate on the car. I was in Saraville. And the cop that pulled me over, you know, I told him I just purchased the car and everything. He was, he helped me out. Like he didn't, they told the car, that's what, you know, but he didn't like, you know, he wasn't nasty to me. Um, then I was in the police car with him. I wasn't, you know, detained or anything, but he was showing me the messages that the other cops were saying to him on his dash thing. And it was saying, why are you helping this guy? He's like, he's in the military. He's showing the paperwork and stuff like that. So. I mean, like I said, my experience has has been different. So when you say you're in the military, there was something you would you would show that stated you had been in the military. On my car, we had like little decals, so oh, that I was see. one thing that you can you can tell somebody's in the military. Um, most times, I'll um, show my ID, my military ID, things like that. So yeah, I've, and I haven't really been stopped by the police only like for traffic stops, but I've ne- was never. I was always concerned. Didn't matter who it was in the uh, police because, well, at one point, because I live in Bergen County and it was like, Mm -hmm. okay, um, there aren't too many black people out here. Um, And he the guy pulled me over some ridiculous highway for illegal lane change or something like that. He just wanted Mm -hmm. to give me a ticket. And I was like, well, no, that's not working. Went to court and got it overturned. But Anytime you get stopped, it's always a matter of uh, some kind of nervousness going on. So, oh, of course. Yeah. I remember when I started working in Flemington, and I, I used to get pulled over all the time, going from going to work or coming from work. I always got pulled over. There was one time I, I started, I got to the point, I just put a dash cam in my car, and I got pulled over literally twice in the same day. Hmm. I got it. I actually used that film to teach my kids how to um, encounter when it would encounter with police, how you, how you want to be with it. It is a very scary, especially when the lights come on and you know, do you see that, that second car come up? Cause that ain't, that's not, that's never a good sign when you never. see another net, when you see another car come up. So. And, and do you think that specific video of Derek Chauvin will cause police to at least pause and act differently or we are going to have to, I guess, physically change how policing is done. I, be- I, I believe, I believe it's like a, it's, it's definitely a combination of both. You know what I mean? Like, I believe like the next police officer that 
has a man face down and is on his back should think is going to think twice like all right maybe i should get off of him maybe i should just turn him over you know what i mean i got him under control you know I, maybe i shouldn't need to use this much force for this longer time you know what i'm saying like it, it's, it's definitely some thoughts that need to run through these cops heads now and um i, I believe next time he's just like you know what you don't know what you're going to do when you're standing out there but i believe you know hindsight 2020 you would want them to try to stop the police from hurting that man you know what i mean like that's a life that was just taken for no apparent reason you know and you would say like hey you know if i was out there i would have tried to get that man off him but they got weapons too and you could easily be the next man dead for trying to save another man's life right yeah and i think that's what really deterred people from from actually going out there because they you know they you heard some of the testimony they kept begging and pleading, but they just could not move. They could not take the step to move forward. And I'm sure it's because they were concerned about their life and what was going to happen to them. Exactly. You know, you see, you see the police obviously taking a man's life right in front of you. So it's just like, if I intercede, it's nothing for them to take my life because I'm watching them do it already. Yeah. It's kind of like that, that old slave mentality. Exactly. The slaves and watch what I do to this one person to deteriorate them from doing anything. Exactly. That uh, leads to a great uh, kind of segue because the next story was about African-Americans buying firearms. Mm -hmm. So it was in the uh, it's uh, basically a CNN story. It came out and it was that about 40 percent of gun buyers in 2020 purchased a firearm for the first time according to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, an industry trade group that compares the FBI's background check with sales data. So they said in the survey is that it's been more diverse, but they've seen a 58% increase of African-American buyers from 2020 compared to 2019. So I just thought that was interesting because what that says is that, you know, a couple things, that people are more comfortable buying firearms and two there's an unrest or they're feeling a little bit concerned about safety uh so yeah i I thought this would be a great topic since you know i know recently you guys have been to the shooting range uh so yeah so do both of you guys own guns or and if so why do you own them well i do own own firearms Um, okay I purchased my first firearm this year. Uh, I haven't mm. shot a gun since the military, so I got a 2007, so about 14 years. So yeah, I did purchase um, my first firearm. And honestly, when I went to go do it, I was nervous. I was very nervous, um, not because I had a criminal record, not because I'm a bad guy, not because I had any violent intent on getting one. I just was nervous because I thought about, uh, what's his name, Philo? Castillo, I'm saying oh, Castillo, right yeah, Philando Castillo, yeah. yeah. You know, he was he was a legal uh, carry owner, which I am as well. Um, so a lot of the thoughts that went through my head was, if I get this, what type of energy am I going to bring to my life? Being a black man now, does it justify, say, if I do get pulled over and, you know, I let them know that I have a firearm with me? How does that, how does that go? Things like that. So it was very nerve wracking actually getting mm. firearm. So I can understand that aspect, why is the rise? I don't know why it's a rise, but I'm happy that it is because I think that more black people should. If you can legally own a firearm, you should. It's, it's nothing wrong with 
with it. Um, I think you should get training, um, things like that. I've actually started training my kids on the safety of firearms and mm. things like that, um, just so that when they get older, they won't, you know, be as nervous as I am, but at least they have some type of training because I didn't get training on firearms until I was 17. So I started them. Um, okay. I started them a little younger. So what type of gun did you purchase? Um, my first gun was a Taurus G3. And a lot of times when you go to the to the range or, or gun store, firearm store, it's overwhelming because you see so many. And it's mm. like, I don't know what to get. I don't know what to do. I don't know. So I think um, where, I, where I go, they actually have a class that will help you on how to purchase the firearm that fits you. And I think why well, I never purchased one, because I always thought it was like expensive. And so I went there, I'm like, Three four hundred dollars. I can get a gun for three four hundred dollars, <laughs> and it's legal. <laughs> wow! I might, right. I might as well. Why, why not? So, I, I've, I've just been like a little hobby since since, and I've gotten several firearms since then. Um, and it's fun for me. It's a stress reliever when I go to the range. Um, I like the the challenge of getting better, getting back to training I had and, and knowledge and stuff like that. So, when Antoine found out, he came out. We made it. Made their bro day like, yo, we going to the range. We just have fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, Antoine, when you went, was that the first time you had fired a gun? Uh, not the first time I fired a gun, but you know, I never had any like formal training, so I learned a lot going with him. You know what I mean? And it's always good to learn from your brother because you know it's like a little bonding thing that you get. So you know, I pick up on little things. I don't feel afraid to ask questions. I'm not afraid to make mistakes. You know, you know, little things like that, you know, because I know he's going to be there and support me to help me out and everything. So, um, you know, it, it's very, it's very, like you said, it's very, I didn't look at it as a form of therapy, but it is because I realized when I was doing it, everything else didn't matter. Nothing else mattered. You know what I mean? Like, like I wasn't thinking about anything else but firing that gun the right way. So I, I, I was doing it properly. So, you know, it, it was kind of like a relief, a little, a little stress reliever. It's nothing that I really been into, wasn't like a hobby like that, but you know, being as though, you know, my brother got into it, I'm starting to take it up a little bit, you know, cause you know, iron sharpens iron, you know what I mean? I want to be just as strong as the next man or knowledgeable as the next man, so. So that that's interesting because you, you both have mentioned training. So what goes into a training? What are some of the or three to five basic things someone needs to know when they own or shoot a gun uh, oh. let me let me let me let me start this off because i'm because I'm, 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 I'm gonna do it just from the, the beginning side tim is gonna get technical okay you get what i'm saying first first you gotta have a proper stance you know what i mean well i ain't even gonna say that's the most important you gotta hold the gun properly a lot of like you see these shoes and these guys just shooting these guns like then they're not doing it properly and they're probably not and they're probably not shooting what they're trying to shoot. You know what I mean? So it's just like they're just shooting to scare. They're not shooting to actually hit their target. You know what I mean? So I would say the way you hold the gun, you know what I mean? Like just the little the little safety tips, like never pointing the gun to you. Never, never putting your finger on the trigger until you're absolutely sure you're ready to fire. You know how you're holding it, the stance in which you're holding it, like the security and stuff like that. Those are like basic fundamental things that people should know how to do like even if on the corner you get what i'm saying like if you're on the corner and you're trying to protect your block you should know how to hold the gun properly instead of just out there shooting kids left and right you know what i mean 
mm. bullets going every which way. Like at least like if you're gonna be out there doing your thing and protect the block, like at least take some time to study a little bit. That's all. I don't want to promote it or nothing, right, but you right, know, right. like I don't want to have little kids get shot for no apparent reason either. Yeah, basic. I guess the basic things that you might not think about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like people just think like, oh, I want to get a gun and get me the biggest bullets and I'm just going to shoot it and it's going to be great and I'm going to hit everything. Well, you might shoot that gun and they might fly out your hand if you don't have the proper grip. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, it's little things that people people really need to think about. Interesting. Yeah. Rule number one for when it comes to firearms is making you have to treat all guns as if they're loaded. So even if you can physically see that the chamber is locked, that the slide is locked, you have to physically check. You put your finger in check. That's rule number one. Rule number two is basically keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to fire at whatever. And those are like just basic stuff that I'm drilling in my kids because I don't want them, you know, God forbid, they walk out and see a gun on the floor anywhere and, oh, what is that? That's like how accidents happen. Mm -hmm. So safety is the number one thing when it comes to firearms. Like he said, uh, grip stance all that stuff you can do all that with dry firing um you don't have to go to the range to do all that when you go to the range um i tend to use it for test out my trigger control because i do a lot of dry fire um and dry fire is basically it's no live ammunition working on my stance my trigger pull i actually have like a little light that when i pull the trigger it shows where the bullet is going oh wow Um, yeah it's i use um it's called strikeman it's a it's an app on your phone and that's what I use for my dry firing. So I do a lot of dry firing. I watch a lot of videos. I actually have people at the gun range that I go to that I can talk to if I have any issues. And they they've been very helpful every ever since I've been ever since I met them. Um, but safety, safety, safety is a number one thing when it comes to firing. And more safety. And when you go to the to the the range that you go to, is it predominantly white or is there is it more diverse? No, it's predominantly white. But they've, when you've gone, you, they've seen you as just a, a colleague. As someone yes, the workers now. I can't yeah. say anything for like the other people that come the, the in work, there. No, the workers. <laughs> the workers. Yeah, the workers they, yeah. 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 But, but also, but also he's had to go frequently. He's had to have his face seen. He yeah. had to become yeah. regular to be accepted. Yeah. Whereas though, most of the time, Black people will have you in with open arms. We we are we're very accepting. We're ready to invite you to the cookout as soon as you do one good thing. Yeah, I, yeah. My experience in Georgia because I went to the fire range in Georgia. Okay, and that's when I ran into um Safari too, which was like kind of weird. He just was in there at the gun range. I was like, oh okay, so this is how it is out here. I might have to <laughs> move out here. But when I went there, it was different. It was it was more diverse. It was actually you know black people working there and and stuff like that. So. That experience was a little, little more welcoming, I guess, because it, it was more of a predominantly black neighborhood um, and things like that. So you just naturally felt more comfortable. Since we grew up in different areas, I know we're going back. Folks around you, was it that same stigma or fear of guns, or was it just that you know you knew people, you knew people. I'm sure you knew people that had guns, carried guns illegally or or legally. And I don't know if it had that same stigma. I mean, I know in my in my household, we did not have a gun. I know I could not have a gun in my house right now. My wife does not like guns. And I'm not saying I do either, but I'm just saying I don't have, I don't, there's no need. I know we won't be training my kids on how to use one. <laughs> so I just wonder, um, you know, growing up, did you, 
did your community or have that same fear of guns? Because what what I'm hearing from you is that when you went to uh, the range, you're or you're trying to break down that stigma that there's no reason to fear guns. You just need to know how to use them properly. Um. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I I think the adults that I grew up with did a good job as far as not exposing me to a lot of stuff. So if there were firearms in the house, I don't know. Mm-hmm. If there were people that I know that had firearms, I'm trying to think. Um. Besides, probably like one of the the hood dudes. You know, just I, I would assume that they would. But growing up, I don't, I don't think anyone that I, in my household, you know, exposed me to firearms at a young mm-hmm. age or anything like that. I do remember one incident, though, where I was at one of my friend's house and whoever the dude, whoever she was talking to, he he did have a firearm. And I was I just looked like, OK, I, don't, I guess he was like, well, you know how they, you go to a different hood and you're not from that hood that's right. that type of thing or make sure you make sure you got it on you type thing like he had it under the seat and i just looking like oh okay that was that was the first time i ever seen a gun in, in person honestly. yeah it wasn't it wasn't um for my family it wasn't too prevalent i knew my um my i knew my grandfather had one he was he used to hunt you know so he used it for hunting and everything so i, kn- I knew my grandfather had a gun so it wasn't but it wasn't nothing that was brought up. It wasn't like a topic of discussion. It wasn't spoke on. You know what I mean? It, it's not. It's not. It was. It was not big in our. And I don't believe it's a big thing in the black culture. You get what I'm saying? To mm. to be gun owners or 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 have that topic brought up in the home. You know I, what I'm saying? I, I don't. I don't think that's almost almost like. What can I say? Credit. <laughs> you don't. You ain't heard about credit back in the day until you got older, and it was just like, oh shit, it's credit. I need that. I should have been doing this from the beginning. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I think household. I think most black, like any black family, we we don't really want our kids touching the guns because I mean, God forbid, you know, rest in peace, Tamir Rice incident with him where he's a little kid just playing with a toy gun and he 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 gets shot from it. You know what I mean? So I know that's one thing. Um, my wife was really big on with the kids, like she. They can only play with the toy guns in the house. They can't go outside with, with them or anything like mm. that. So she has, um since then, since I've been like, you know, getting back into it and like, you know, talking to her about the training them and all that other stuff and things like that. She has, she has um turned towards mm-hmm. firearms and she's working on her stuff as well. So right. I, I've go over stuff with her safety anytime she's interested. <laughs> um, and I try to show her, you know, what I know and what I learned. And that's just interesting because I do think in primarily in the black community, we're not or in families, we're not really gun owners. And yet when folks are fearful, when we even have guns. And so it's just it's just an interesting dynamic. When it comes to firearms, a lot of people need to understand that there's different laws in different states. Right. Um, That's one big thing, I think, that has has me like my brain going, because now that I am a firearms owner, um, and if I do travel, I need to know the laws here. I need to know the laws here. I need to know the laws here because right. what it is where I'm at. If once I go to Jersey, I can get a I can get the charge of a felony just by having a certain type of ammunition, or this or this magazine mm. capacity can't even be accepted in here, or things like that. There there are things out there like um, concealed carry that gives you this information um, on the different laws on, on everywhere. It's also the thing I joined was a US CCA is basically for people who whoever they carry, you get insurance through them. 
You also get information. Um, they have training videos and how to talk to your kids about firearms and things that you can do and all this other stuff. And there's a big map, let you know where your license is accepted. Um, if you're a concealed carry person like myself um, and things like that. So it's, it's, it's a lot of laws that varies. And it's, that's the, that's the thing that you definitely want to make sure, you know, safety in these laws, because you get hemmed up on something and you could simple as just coming from the range. And if you don't have a license, you, you got to go to and from. It's no making a pit stop. Oh, my wife told me I need to get some eggs from the grocery store. No, it's to and from. Make sure you're going to and from if you don't have a license and things like that. Good to know. So yeah, for those that are interested, make sure you you file study, study, train, study, study, study. train and know, definitely know the safety. OK, that's great. So, yeah, so we're going to move on to the next. The next topic has to do with health. Uh, it was an article in the Chicago Defender that talked about black men putting their health first. And so a great quote, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, roughly 14.9 percent of men over 18 are fair or suffer poor health conditions. Even though there may be a generic factor influencing health for some men, certain lifestyle choices may be causing some preventable health problems. Uh, mainly, uh, many directly contribute to the leading cause of death for men. And so they list some statistics. 5% of men age 20 and over are obese. Black men, 38.7%. Oh, for black men, it's 38.7%. 30, 9% uh, of men age 20 uh, and around have high blood pressure and are taking antihypertensive medication. I thought that was, not that it's a surprise, it's quite interesting that this was uh, an article this month uh, because, you know, we're, of course, going in the summer. But I wanted to, yeah, just broach that topic. And I wanted to say, well, you know, when's the last time you guys went to the doctor? You want to take that one, Woody? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been, it's been I, I would say it's been like a year or two for me. Year or two? Yeah, since I've been to the doctor. Okay. Um, I haven't really, I haven't been like sick to where I felt like, you know, I, I like, oh, I need to go to the doctor. You know what I'm saying? Um, besides like, like a little ailments, like I sprained my elbow, okay. like I went to the doctor for that. You get what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. I got to go to the doctor for, but like, just like a regular checkup or like a physical or something like that, you know, I, I haven't done it in a while. Okay. Um, it's been a while for me, but I do have, um, I do have something set up this year in September. Um, I think for me, when it comes to the hospital, um, it's like a little nerve wracking because it's like a reality check, especially if you don't you don't have no you don't feel nothing wrong with you. But you right. get some blood work done and they hit you with the oh, this waiting to tell you something. Yeah. And and I for me, I had a bad experience. I, I think I spoke to you once or twice maybe yeah. about this week um, where I had um, I was complaining because I, I was using the bathroom doing number two and there was a lot of blood coming out. And I've been telling my doctor this for a year. Um, this was at the VA hospital and the doctor I had, I think he was just so worried about retiring. He didn't, he, I felt like he didn't do his job. So I requested another doctor because I'm like, this doctor isn't doing anything for me. Long story short, I did a colonoscopy. They found, um, polyps in my colon, which was, um, considered carcinoid tumors, which is like a rare cancer or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so they weren't, um, a certain, cause they were saying that. If it's not a certain size and they can snip it while they were doing it. So technically I'm supposed to like every two years get it done. And to be honest, I haven't, haven't really been on it. So that's what 
this doctor visits for. Um, but it just was like, when it comes to it, I, I sat here and told you guys I was having issues for a year and y'all did nothing. So I think sometimes a lot of people, especially when it comes to the black community, we don't like to go there because we don't feel like our needs or, or what's really going on with us is really being attended to. Like, especially if, like the fatherhood thing that we was talking about that the other, mm -hmm. other day with black women and giving birth and how, you know, they African-Americans die more when it comes to childbirth and things like that. And it was like, you can look at her and see nothing was wrong with her and all this other stuff. So I don't feel like sometimes healthcare when it comes to men is really, especially black men that it's like, I don't know, like taken serious or as serious as anyone else, honestly. I'm glad you guys shared your stories because I think the two of you is the epitome of what we as black men go through uh, when it go time to go to the doctor. We decide we don't want to go to the doctor just because either we've had a bad experience or there's nothing wrong with us. But uh, and that was that was what was laid out in the article. So it was just saying, you know, 60 percent of black men are more likely to die from stroke than non-Hispanic white men. 75 percent of black men are also less likely to have health insurance than, than white men as well. And so, and I think it's just the lack of awareness. So how old are you guys right now? How, how old are you? I'm 36. 36? 37. 37. 37. So you are at the, at the age where you need to start going Yeah. every definitely. year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, every year just, just to get, and more than likely just to have the, your baseline number. So I have, I suffer from high cholesterol, which is a genetic, uh, my dad had high cholesterol. I don't have high blood pressure. So I take medication uh, yearly. And and I know it can be a challenge finding doc that, that's going to tell you like it is. Because mm -hmm. they, they may minimize, oh, you're okay, and, and not really do the baseline stuff. Based on your insurance. <laughs> yeah, also based on, on your insurance. Um, and so it's a, but it's a matter of knowing, knowing and being your own advocate uh, to help. So I do, you know, I know Tim... Is, is going to the doctor, but I definitely challenge you, Antoine, to, to go for just for no other reason, just to know exactly where your numbers are. Because I think a lot of, one, a lot of times we can, for the most part, nothing will be wrong until something is wrong and it might be too late. Yeah, I, I had a scare like that too, because I had, um, I was considered, I became uh, a pre-diabetic uh, late in my 20s which was like one of those well i never had any issues or anything like that so they put me on meds and i refused to take the meds i'm not gonna lie um try to put me on insulin and i just didn't like how the stuff made me feel i actually honestly uh healed myself and my doctor was scratching his head because he was like what what did you do i'm like well i changed my diet you right. know started doing a whole bunch of other stuff um but i think a lot of times, especially when it comes to the black community, we need to know our family history because I've come to find out that, you know, um, on my mom's side, they, a lot of the men there have colon cancer and stuff like that. But that mm -hmm. wasn't until I got hit with the, oh, we have to do a colonoscopy and things like that. And I know my mom has MS, but she was able to overcome that. She had sick sugar issues on um, my dad recently. I want to say within probably like three years, he's about 50 some years old, just got hit with some, uh, he has sugar issues. And my dad is like one of those, I don't even know if, <laughs> if he ever, if I ever seen him go to the hospital for anything or a doctor's visit, anything mm -hmm. like that. So 
I think that the family history and knowing that is important too. And you gotta you gotta talk to our kids and let them know like what's going on with us. At least let them know because you know we we get hit with the stroke and the stress, especially being black men working, providing it day in day out, and not you know going getting a spa day or or you know just a relaxation day. And it's just every week is just the same thing, same thing. So. Yeah, that's very important. This this health is very important. I'll be getting on Antoine about it too. <laughs> I know I know Antoine's Antoine been quiet this whole time. <laughs> I'll be getting on my bro about it too. Like especially because yeah. he likes he loves to eat and it's not wrong with being a foodie, but I was like, yo, you're getting older, so your body yeah. is not gonna, you know, break that stuff down and like, you know, sixteen year old Udi where we can just be up yeah. all day, up all night and, and up in two hours and be good. Nah, your body, when you get older, you need that rest, that digestive system need to be be um, relaxed. And fasting is one of those things that you have to start doing as you're getting older and changing your diet. Like, so yeah, I, definitely with the pre-diabetes because you guys are not working out. I mean, remember, we used to work mm-hmm. out six, six days a week. What, two, mm-hmm. three hours a day? So yeah. you. I wonder what, if it's a study like that because I, you know, I feel like those that were like athletes, I don't know about y'all. I'm still active, though, man. I'm out here. I'm out here looking meters and I'm, I'm swinging hammers and drilling. And I'm here active, so I burn my calories during the day, B. <laughs> you feel me? So I put my work in. I hear you. I hear you put your work in, but you still just need to go ahead and check and know exactly where you are from year to year. Yeah, I ain't going to I'm a little nervous about this visit. I'm going to be a little nervous. Well, you know, I mean, I don't, oh, that's right. You're in Pennsylvania. I don't know. The doctor that I saw, she was really good. So, I mean, I don't know who you're going to see, but. I have to come to, I have to come to Jersey. I go to the VA in Jersey. Oh, okay. Oh, you go to the VA. You go to the VA. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, I, and Antoine, you have insurance, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Next time we are on the show again, which will (laughs) maybe in a couple months, I, I expect you to say you've made, you've made your doctor's appointment. All right. That's some homework we got to do. (laughs) <laughs> that's the homework you gotta do no no doubt no doubt right. and so um so that kind of leads to the last topic which was about skincare have you ever gone for a facial no nah, never never got a facial no you I, never got, I, I, you i've never gotten facial. products like um scott porter their their face scrub and stuff i do okay. use that so. but mm-hmm. i never got a facial with cucumbers on my eyes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I never, I never did that as well. Um, I've got, I, I got my nails done one time, and that was with Tim from my room. <laughs> so I'm not, I never even did like no manicure. He, 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 he didn't want to do that. I'm like, yo, you gotta, you know, y'all gonna be taking pictures of your hands and stuff, bro. They gotta be on. He's like, all right, he's like, all right. But I think that was the only time you ever went. <laughs> well, that, that's that's funny. There was um there was an article in Pop Sugar that talked about men's grooming market is worth seventy billion dollars. But unfortunately, black men's needs and concerns are largely glossed over when it comes to marketing, branding, and exposure. Because most brand most brands that exist in the mainstream or or are elevated in major publications are led predominantly by people other than black men. And so I like this quote by, um, he's the, he created this product called Ceylon. I guess it's primarily for black men, but he's like, for as long as I can remember, black men have been viewed as pillars of strength and protectors without the space to be softer or to prioritize our self-care. 
because mm -hmm. of this, we are not the first demographic you think of when it comes to beauty and skincare. Uh, his name was Dorian Renault. Well, didn't they have that um that Dove? I, I think it was. If you if you even go back to how soap was marketed, it was changing your your black skin to become white type thing. If they had something with the Dove. I don't, yeah. I don't remember I that. that. I saw that little marketing campaign. That yeah, it was like a little Dove, it, and but it went deeper back to like how soap was branded right. back then. It was more so like, oh, your dark skin is dirty, so you need the soap type thing. Right, right. Mistake, you know? So yeah, I can I can understand understand. I don't know why. I mean, and then you know with melanin, we we look act different with melanin anyway. Yeah. <laughs> does self care or the fact that if men that take care of themselves, facials, massages, manic mani pedis and all, do you think that means as a black man you're soft? No, I don't think. I mean, there was a story that DMX just said that he ran into Prince and we know how Prince was and he was like Prince was a gangster. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think that has nothing to do with, you know, it's, 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 if you want to take care of yourself, you take care of yourself. Is it important? Yes, it is important yeah. because the skin is the biggest organ and that lets you know that leads to a lot of health stuff anyway. So, mm. you know, what you put on your body and, you know, we absorb and suck in everything through our skin. So even like the water where we take showers and stuff fat and all that stuff like that stuff really matters. And then knowing about and taking care of your skin is very important. So do, uh, you do I do it? Do yeah, I do, do you, it? Do you do it? On a day to day? I'm, I'm guilty <laughs> of not, but yeah. I, I attempt. Yeah. I do have, you know, like I said, I use Scott Porter and shout out to Target yeah. because now I can go there to go purchase the products. I ain't got to go online to purchase it. Right. So, but I do use some stuff for my skin um, lotion. I always, always didn't, y'all may laugh because no. <laughs> I already know you laugh. I always I knew you had it in you. <laughs> I always thought because I was light skinned, I didn't need no lotion because I don't get ashy. Oh, okay. So you now that I'm older, I'm, I'm I'm starting to get ashy. I'm like, well, I should have been putting a little bit of shea butter on my skin at this Got point you. because. But yeah, I, I I if I have lotion in my face when I'm out the shower, I definitely need lotion. I mean, do you think it it takes a like a a black owned product for us to get more into it? Because they will market specifically to us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would I would prefer um, a black-owned product because I know for sure that it's tailored to our skin mm -hmm. and our type of skin and our many different shades of the skin. Um, so yeah, I would prefer that, but I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and if what's available. I think if it's if it's available and I can get to it, then yeah. But right. if it's not available, then it's like it's not not something that's on my mind. But I would prefer it. Right. What about you, Udi? I think you know it's more of a perception thing. I think you know as men think you know once we once you once you do that, you're looked at as soft. You're not you're not the rock that you should be. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I know not not all men feel that way, but it's a perception type of thing. If if people see you that way, you know what I mean. That's not how you want to be seen. Um, but you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. You know what I'm saying? So right. you you always want to try to be clean, fresh. You know, you we might not pay attention to it as much as a woman, which I don't think a man should be that mm. vain. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's probably why the industry isn't as big as it should be. Like like you said, like Tim may buy some product that may last him a month, where that woman has a product and she needs to buy that product once a week. You you understand what I'm saying? So right. it's, it's, 
they, they, to market to a woman is much easier because, you know, she's going to buy everything. Product. Yeah, she's going <laughs> to use that product more frequently. You know, she's a reoccurring customer. Whereas, you know, if I buy some hair grease, I might have that hair grease for three months before it run out of it. Right. You get what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's very different aspects from a man and a woman and how they take care of themselves. Um, yeah, I, I use lotion. I try to. You know, I'm dark. I get ashy. Yeah. You see, yeah, <laughs> no hiding that. Right, you know right. what I mean. So it's just like you need, you need lotion. In the summertime, it's hard because you know you be you be sweating your ass off with some lotion on out there working. I need some suntan lotion to come. Suntan, that's right. You better make sure you start using that. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'd be out there crispy. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to think about that skin cancer too. That's no joke. And that's right? another exactly. thing. The whole the exactly. sun, the sun. Uh, what is it? Sunblock, black sun. I think my wife got. Got some some uh, black owned sunblock okay. for the kids and stuff like that. So, but not, but and also and also keep it funky with you. Yo, the black owned stuff, like it, like yeah, it be in Target. You know what I'm saying? But it needs to be more easily accessible. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the price be exorbitant. You know what I mean? It's just like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, okay. Yeah, I want to support your cocoa Jojo butter, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? But Palmer's got it for seven dollars. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like. Yeah, you want me to buy this same size can for thirty dollars? But they mass yeah. producing it. The black owned most times probably be more yeah. hands on. It's small business, yeah. Yeah, so so it's, it's a like, matter of supporting, and if you know, so they so it can be seven dollars at one point, yeah. right? So right, so the, so I so that that's a whole nother problem in in itself, right there. You know what I mean? It's a small business. We can't mass produce it. We gotta sell it for more than what it more than what we should just to see a profit meanwhile i'm selling it to the people i'm trying to help but the people i'm trying to help struggling they i ain't just about to trying to spend 30 dollars on some lotion <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean i'm trying yeah. to, i spent 15 on some lotion and 15 on some gas that's four dollars a gallon right <laughs> you understand what I'm yeah well there there therein lies the kind of the challenge in in our communities when we're trying to support uh black owned mm -hmm. businesses if it's not the, the right price point a lot of our the the mark target market that they're trying to reach is unreachable because they can't afford to pay is it food are they gonna buy food or are they gonna buy this expensive product uh mm -hmm. just because it's black owned so yeah it's definitely a catch-22 uh when it when it comes to um supporting our black businesses and we have to and it just i guess it really does matter with what's we feel is important what's important to us. So if your skin is important, you, you're going to spend the money. And, and, also, and also then like the customer service is very important as well. Not all the time. Our black businesses have top notch customer service. Well, that, that is all, that's also another, another challenge as well. Um, but I think, but you know, what's the, also a challenge also we as consumers as well, won't necessarily put our complaints out there so they can get better. We'll just, Okay, they we knew they're going to social bad. media and we, blast yeah, them. blast them. We knew they're going to be bad anyway. Let's go back to go back to Palmer's or whatever and Dove <laughs> and and just start using their stuff again because I knew they were going to be booty anyway. So and but we and we have to do a better job as well. You know, your customer service when it's good, I'll support you, but you have to do better at X. Uh, call me back when I send you. You know, when I leave a message, or you can at least uh, you know tweet or email me back when I send you an email and you know, it, it takes time. We're getting better. I have to say. Exactly. Well, mm -hmm. um, uh, always yeah. great having you on. Tell, uh, tell everyone how everyone can check your podcast. I know, I think you guys said you're on a break, but 
Uh, how can they find you? Uh, we're on Facebook, um, Hood Kings Podcast. And we're also on Instagram and we're also on um, Twitter. So anything Hood Kings Podcast, um, and that's how you can see us. Oh, okay, great. Check them out. Uh, so, you know, we always end the show with what's on your mind. What's on What's on your mind for the summer? Summer. Wow. Hey, man, the real question is, is, is like, is, what's not on my mind? That's the real question. What's not on my mind? It's just like, it's so much going on, I can't even pinpoint just, you know, one thing. It, not even just outside, you know, personal stuff going on too, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I'm, I'm just trying to stay smooth this summer and get, just try to get everything straightened out for myself, you know what so, I mean? So your head's spinning right now, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's spinning right now. It's spinning right now. It's spinning right now. When was, your, when was your last vacation? I'm trying to I'm trying to get Tim to take one with me, but I do need one now. Okay. I do need a vacation. I do need to plan one, even if it's just a little short, a little something. I do need one now. Yeah, you need self care is 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 by far um, something you, uh, we need to start doing, and even and the biggest thing, which I talk to my best friend all the time, take, you need to take some days off because if you don't get to work because of whatever else then you're not you're not good not only for yourself but your family so it's always good to take a break definitely mm-hmm. mm-hmm. take a break i need to get into the habit of taking breaks cuz i'm a homebody so i think uh, i actually traveled more this summer than so i know my wife wants to do a few things with the kids and stuff so that's next but i definitely want to do a road trip um, I know, I know. We're trying to do. Um, we just found uh, out here in the Poconos they have. Um, because me and Antoine was driving uh my brother's um slingshot uh, Father's Day, so we we was driving uh, it. So I found out oh, the, over yeah, here. Yeah. I found out over here they have, like, you can rent them for hours or whatever. But they have like a, uh, I guess like a, a to and from type thing where you can drive from here to here or whatever. So I think that's the next thing I'm gonna try to do with the wife. Nice. Well. It's been a great show. Thank you guys for being on tonight. Get those checkups, check facials, and uh, keep practicing the the shooting. <laughs> I don't know if I'll get out, I'll get out there. Once. Come on, you you're gonna come. One, you gotta come. You have to come. You have to come. I'm telling yeah. you, we'll change your life. You're gonna change, change. So we gotta get. All right. So look, look, we gotta we gotta get um physicals. And we got to get facials. Physicals and facials. There you go. <laughs> Physicals and facials. So y'all won't be, Yo, we got to get a shirt. So you won't be depleted. So you won't be depleted. So you won't be depleted. <laughs> All right, brothers. It's been great seeing you. You guys have a good night. Definitely. You too, man. All right. We always have a good time when the Hood Kings are on the show. Special thanks goes to Tim Davis, a.k.a. Seven, and Antoine Richmond, a.k.a. Udi. You can check out their show on Facebook and YouTube. Black Men Speak is written and produced and edited by me, Keith Depp. You can subscribe to the show on Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlackMenSpeakE1. As you know, we always like to end the show with a quote, and this one comes from the powerful book, Invisible Man from Ralph Ellison. I am an invisible man. I am a man of substance, of flesh and bone, fiber and liquids. And I might even be said to possess a mind. I am invisible, understand, simply because people refuse to see me. This is Keith Dent from the Black Men Speak Podcast. P.
peace and be safe.